Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Joseph, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Sure. I'm Joseph Laycock. I'm an associate professor of religious studies at Texas State University, and I'm the author of Speak of the Devil, a book about the Satanic Temple. How did you get interested in writing about the Satanic Temple? So I used to write for an online magazine called Religion Dispatches, and in 2013, uh, the story broke about... Uh, a statue of the Ten Commandments being put up uh, at the state capitol in Oklahoma. And a group of Satanists said, uh, we want to put up a statue of the devil uh, uh, next to it. And their argument was actually interesting because uh, according to state and federal law, you can't really put up uh, a religious symbol at a state capitol like that uh, because of the so-called establishment clause in the First Amendment says uh, church and state have to be uh, a separate uh, but if you have symbols of two different religions, then you're not really promoting one, right? You have sort of neutrality. Uh, and so I just reached out to this guy named Lucian Greaves, and I said, uh, are you serious about putting up the statue of the devil, or is this a joke? Because they had already started raising money for it. And he said, well, you know, so far we've got $30,000 or something. I can't give the money back. It's from GoFundMe, so I have to do this. I have to see this thing through or I'm going to be uh, basically guilty of, of fraud. Uh, and so my editor for Religion Dispatches said, people love this, this Satanism stuff. If this group ever does anything again, uh, uh, write another article about it. So I started covering the group for a few years, and I watched it go from being kind of, uh, kind of setting up these political provocations, or some people would even call them pranks, to getting more and more serious and more organized until it started to look more like a legitimate uh, a religion. And I decided there was sort of a bigger story here uh, than what I was getting through these little kind of uh, uh, reports on, on all the different things that they did. So that was the idea for the book, was to really have a history of what this group was about and where they came from. So what's, can you take me to the start? Was it the start, was that movement or did it, it had to be going before? Because I mean, Satanism or the idea of Satan worship has, I think, been a, a historical thing. But I mean, when it comes into like my generation seems to take everything to the bit of an extreme and kind of throwing it out there in a sense, I, I, I'm not taking the rap for them. They can take the heat themselves. But it is like, I mean, good God, I, I have a thing in 2013, I would remember an article like this, but I guess that's just news and our attention spans. It kind of seems like I forgot about it. Yeah, so to talk about Satanism, right, that's a bigger uh, category, and it's important to understand there are all kinds of different Satanists in the world, just like you can see a Christian church with a big rainbow flag out in front of the church and another church uh, that, that's, you know, militantly uh, anti-gay. Uh, so the idea of Satanism really begins um, around around the Middle Ages in, in Europe and seems to mostly be an urban legend, right? Uh, the word Satanism appears... Once you have the so-called wars of religion in Europe, we have Catholics fighting Protestants. They're both Christian, but they're both accusing each other of being a Satanist. And most historians assume there probably weren't really any Satanists at that time, right? It was just sort of a, a way to uh, scare people or smear your opponent or something like that. And then slowly throughout history, there were people who actually began saying, no, I, I really am a Satanist, right? And that could mean that they worshipped uh, the devil, or they thought the devil was a metaphor for some kind of force in nature that they revered or whatever. But these were mostly kind of real weirdos. Uh, and this changed in 1966 with Anton LaVey uh, in San Francisco, who founded the Church of Satan. And that was the first time where somebody actually said, I'm a Satanist, and I'm having satanic rituals, and you can come film them. And you can, you know, send a letter to a P.O. box and you can join this group and you can become a satanic priest and, and so forth. Uh, it's important to understand Anton LaVey didn't believe in Satan. Uh, he said Satan is basically a kind of metaphor for basically the potential of human beings. Satan's a symbol of freedom and, and so forth. 
And so the Satanic Temple comes out of that tradition, right? They have adopted a lot of, of LaVey's ideas, at least about what it means to be uh, a, a Satanist and not really believe in the supernatural. Now, one important difference is Anton LaVey's group tends to be very libertarian and very kind of right-wing in their politics, and the Satanic Temple tends to be very progressive and very left-wing in their politics. Now, there are also groups out there who are Satanists who say, no, I, I really believe in the devil, right? Um, there are even groups like, uh, there's a group called the Order of Nine Angles that says, uh, if you're a Satanist, you ought to be killing people, right? You ought to be committing uh, human sacrifice. Um, so as that's a religious scholar, that's I'm not real. There's, there's no way people are that great. There, that has to be like an attention thing. That can't be like, have they killed anybody that we know of or anything like that? Yeah, I think uh, they used to call it the nickname for the Order of Nine Angles used to be the Order of No Members, right? And it <laughs> looks like uh, it's it's a handful of people uh, putting stuff up on the internet, and then it kind of gets attention. The person who founded this actually seems to be a pretty nasty person with ties to uh, neo-Nazi groups um, that are actually doing fairly violent uh, stuff. So the assumption from religion scholars for a long time was this is this is macho talk. Uh, that that they they're not actually killing anybody, and if you actually read their rhetoric, it could be well. You could go murder somebody, but you could also like put a hex on them, and then they they're in a car accident, right? And that 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 counts too. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, some neo-Nazi groups have recently begun to adopt these these writings. They found these these Order of Nine Angle writings online, and so more recently, there have been actual acts of terrorism perpetrated by neo-nazis that are consistent with some of these writings so this is this is very recent stuff that's happening but some people have said uh somebody actually went and did it right somebody actually did go and kill somebody in, in, in keeping with these uh these writings but this is a really small group and i think you're right for the most part this was this was tough talk and not actual uh action is this just a like a decline of mental health that would get people to you know hop on these i wouldn't say hop onto these religions but really you're looking for anything at some point to kind of stand out. And I hate to say it like attention seeking, but I mean, whether it's some giant event or some giant thing that gets your name published or gets whatever you're done, whatever that is. But I mean, religion has hit a low point in an aspect of like, when that does happen, then people start thinking I can just create my own. And I mean, there's always been ideas of creating their own. I've dived into Scientology. I do not respect that one at all. Um, on many different factors, uh, mostly because they say that if you have depression or you have suicidal thoughts, then you should probably your body was infected with a bad host. So you should just kill yourself and go into it. That's the dumbest logic I've ever heard in my entire life. But that happens when there isn't like, I mean, Christianity was one of the strongest symbols not so long ago. I mean, I grew up in a family of Christians and things of that sort, and it kind of just started to phase out. And I get where, where does the other belief or the other mindset go to and you can create your own at that point when you start looking at it about how it declined but i mean I, I i'm not religious like i told you off air but i also respect people that do have a religion but i've started to know these things or notice these things when you know we talk about people acting out or doing something like that and in 2013 i mean if they created a saying we're going to build a statue in honor of the devil i mean to me, I would be like, what the hell are we talking about? But at the same time, to them, it's like it's a, a more of a symbol to oppressing the government or something of that sort, which commonly gets linked into sometimes if you talk about overseers. And then we talk about uh, Lucifer being a rebellious son and the government is God who's oppressing us with all these rules. And You can take it anywhere with that, but that's really analyzing it to a point just to explain your rationale in those things as well, too. But parody religions became a thing, the spaghetti monster, all this. And I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on all these, but these are like, to me, it's like, what do you do? Like, you're a new kid, you're going out into the new world, you're looking at Buddhism, you're looking at all the Taoism, whatever you want to say. And there's just now an infinite supply of like, you could let rainbow unicorn as a religion as well, too. And then we know bad ones, people's temple, heaven's gate. Yeah, so the religious landscape has has changed uh, a, a lot. And one of the things that you're pointing out is uh, increasingly, especially millennials would say, I don't really identify with any religion. And it doesn't mean these people are necessarily atheists, uh, but they're kind of DIYing uh, uh, their religion. So we know through surveys, about 70% of Americans are Christian of some variety, and about 20% uh, say that they are nuns, N-O-N-E's, right? Of just, I'm, I'm sort of spiritual, but not religious. 
And everything else you've ever heard of Buddhism, Taoism, Judaism, it's all in that last 10% or so uh, that's left over after the Christians and, and the nuns. So this is a growing uh, group. I mean, churches all over America are dying. Um, there was a, a, a like a Lutheran church and they asked old people to stop coming to church because they said they're scaring away the young people. And we're trying to get more young people to, to, to come here. Uh, so, so churches, as sort of we, we know them, um, don't really seem to be the way of the future. COVID was a big factor in this, too. A lot of people after COVID said, you know what, I'd much rather, you know, zoom into church in my underwear than actually have to get up and drive and, and park and, and, and go to church. So, yeah, I think the future of religion in America is going to be a lot weirder. It's going to be a lot more diverse. It's going to have a lot more opportunities for kind of new religious groups. And the other thing you talked about is uh, people are more comfortable just saying, my religion is invented. You know, I, I made it up. It's not passed down from a burning bush. It's not some ancient tradition. We, we made it up. And Anton LaVey was actually one of the first people to do this. He said, yeah, I just made Satanism up. I watched a bunch of horror movies and, you know, I read some 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 books and I, I, I just threw it all together. And, and what's wrong with that? Why is that worse than something that's just just very, very old? Well, it even goes to the point. I mean, when it comes to religion, what is your important factor that you think of when you look at religion? Like I look at the community aspect of things like I don't buy every story that's in the Bible. I don't buy actually any of it. But when it comes to the community aspect of things about people together and you know worshiping something that can go bad obviously we have uh, historical documents to prove that not in christianity but in other made-up religions um when it comes to like uh people's temple i mean that's a it's not a that's not the best i mean is the best probably example or jonestown yeah that's a that's a it's an even better one um but i mean the community aspect people coming together being able to meet i mean it's like it's like a bingo hall in a sense as well too i mean afterwards you get snacks my cousin's really religious i would try and leave on saturdays when i spent the night at his house because sunday i did not want to go to church uh i'm a hellion yeah i know but that was a real thing though like i just there's uh, this family aspect there's like we're going to talk i mean they knew all their neighbors he supports the church he goes down there does classes with the kids and stuff so i see the benefit in the community aspect of things and then i mean what would you say the significance for you is yeah so i think what's at stake here is how are we defining what religion is when i ask most people what's religion they say well it's about believing in god right or maybe you believe in in, in you know gods plural uh, if that's your definition of religion, that's a big problem for the Satanic Temple, because that means they don't count, right? That means they're just a political group. But uh, some people have said that's not really a very good way of defining religion. There are lots of religions that uh, don't necessarily believe in God and, and really don't emphasize belief at all. It's about showing up. It's about, like you said, a community. Uh, so one of the things I found when I actually began meeting with members of the Satanic Temple, you know, everybody just hears about their kind of big political campaigns and these sort of stunts and so forth. If you actually meet a, a Satanic Temple congregation, a lot of what they're doing is getting together on the weekends and barbecuing, right, or having book clubs. Uh, it's that community aspect. And, and, you know, if Christians, when they do those things, they call it fellowship. Uh, so I think that that is just as valid a criteria for talking about what is a religion or, or what's significant uh, about it. It's really only Christianity among all the world religions that's so obsessed with beliefs and creeds, right? You have to believe all these things or, or you're a heretic. Uh, most religions around the world don't work that way and are a lot more open about people uh, believing whatever they want. When it comes to the interviews you did with some of these satanic members, I mean, did they seem irrational or did they seem like normal, just kind of doing it for, you know, just because they want to not, I wouldn't say rebel, but just not have to go into all the basic norms that we have. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's like a big thing, like Christian, you know, that, that whole aspect of thing, that was, that was a big pushed on to me when I was a kid and I just never kind of fell into it. So I just, I could see it in that point. I mean, you're talking about barbecues. It doesn't seem like anything bad's going on. I just get worried when we talk about Satanism. The first thing that pops in my head is a bunch of people at an altar and uh, with a chicken that's begging for mercy. Yeah, I mean, they don't uh, they do not uh, do anything like animal sacrifice, right? One of their tenets is we have to be compassionate to all, all sentient beings, and that would include the, the chicken. Uh, so everybody that I met for the Satanic Temple, I mean, they might have been a bit sort of quirky and offbeat, but nobody I met seemed to be uh, mentally ill or disturbed. Uh, Texas uh, has a lot of um, congregations of the Satanic Temple. There was one in Austin and San Antonio and Houston and Dallas. And I think there's so many in Texas because there's a lot of kids who grew up in Texas with 
strict, overbearing Christian parents, right? And those people grow up to be uh, Satanists. So that was one common story I had was I'm, I'm really frustrated with, uh, with my family or with my parents or the way I was raised, or even they might say I have religious trauma uh, from my upbringing. Occasionally, I would meet someone who said, you know, my parents raised me to be a free thinker and to kind of uh, uh, be open-minded and follow reason, and that's why I'm here, because I think the Satanic Temple uh, uh, conforms with that. So uh, this may not be true of all uh, forms of Satanism, but at least for the Satanic Temple, they seem to be fairly even-keeled uh, uh, people, even though some of their rituals that they do can still involve blasphemy and can still get pretty uh, pretty hairy-looking, uh, at least to an outsider. Could you explain one of those, like an example of a ritual ritual that might seem weird to an outsider? Sure. So Anton LaVey um, took this idea of the Black Mass, right? The Black Mass, again, it was, it was a story that seems to have been made up in, in Europe, right? So, so one of the, the fights between Catholics and Protestants was they both do communion where they have bread and wine, uh, remembering the Last Supper. The Catholics uh, said, this bread is literally Jesus's flesh. And most Protestants said, well, that's silly. It's still bread, right? Get, get real. It's, it's just a symbol. And so around the time this argument was going on, stories began to form that Satanists were sneaking into Catholic masses, uh, and then after the priest turns the bread into Jesus's flesh, were stealing it and taking it back and like torturing it in satanic rituals, right? So they would stomp on this bread, and that was stomping on, on Jesus. And the logic from the Catholics was basically... You know, the, the, the what we're saying must be true. This must truly be Jesus's flesh, because why else would the Satanists want to do this, right? It's it's almost like the old Lucky Charms commercials, where you're like, this cereal has to be really good, because why does the leprechaun keep trying to, to steal it from these, these kids? So this was the legend of the Black Mass. And Anton LaVey said, I can kind of adapt this, and I can have my Church of Satan do it. And he claimed the reason to do this, to blaspheme, is not because we actually believe that this is Jesus's flesh or anything like that, uh, but blasphemy can be therapeutic, right? If something is sort of um, overbearing in your life and you were sort of pressured to conform to it, ritually basically saying, screw this, I don't care about it, it's, it's, it's trash, can be helpful. And Anton LaVey lived in the 60s in San Francisco, so he actually said, we don't need to like burn Bibles or blaspheme Christian symbols. Christianity doesn't really have any control over us. He said, we should be stomping on a picture of Timothy Leary, right? We should be, we should be blaspheming uh, LSD because those are the things that are, that are sort of controlling our, our society right now. So anyways, the Satanic Temple still has this philosophy. And so they would say, we, we do things like black masses uh, uh, and we try to kind of recreate um, some of these legends from Europe. So they did a black mass and they actually had uh, a naked person acting as the altar, right? And people were sort of arranging things on, on their body. Um, they had um, a, some kind of cracker. It was not an actual uh, consecrated wafer from a Catholic church, but it was it was sort of out of that tradition that they were, you know, stomping on or something like this. And, and for a Catholic watching this Black Mass, it would be pretty upsetting, right? Uh, but they also had this idea of, well, it has to be a little bit shocking or otherwise it doesn't have that sort of therapeutic value. Um, so whether you buy that or not, that's, that's sort of what you could expect to see uh, if you attended one of their, their sort of private blasphemy ceremonies. I, I wouldn't say I would hate to be old mentality here, but I just I don't I don't agree with that. It just seems like they're making they're just trying their best to outdo each other or trying to take one. Like I mean, you can create your own satanic stuff. If you worship Satan, I mean, there's plenty of people that probably do it, and you would never know. Like Bill, who works the nine to five, and he's you know got a suit and tie on, and he's got kids, and he never talks. He might be a Satan worshiper. He never talks about it. But like going out of the way to look at what exactly that person has or what that religion has, and then just mocking it in a sense. I don't agree with that a whole lot, and I also don't agree with nudity in public. I mean, maybe at a nude beach, but that's like a designated area in society that we all agree we don't have to wear clothes here. Right. Well, and, you know, they, they tried to hold a black mass at Harvard in 2014, and that became a big debacle. And people were making these same arguments, right, that you can say this is therapy, but to us, this seems like it's just hateful, right? You just went out of your way to express hatred for, for another religion. Sounds like the punk movement. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of connections here, right? Um, the sort of idea of if we are kind of shocking enough, we can change society 
which you see in both some some of the things the Satanic Temple has done, and and with the punk movement. Um, now, now to be clear, they're not um, they're, they're not having naked altars in a public space, right? This would be in a private home or something, and it would probably be you know invite only. If you watch the documentary Hail Satan, you can see a few shots uh, of, of of one of these these rituals. Uh, but their claim, and again, I'm not asking anyone to agree with it, but their claim is we're not doing this necessarily to be hateful to Christians. Christians invented this stuff. It was the Christian's idea that people do these things and stomp on crackers and so forth. And we are sort of taking that idea and uh, acting it out uh, for purposes of kind of celebrating our own autonomy and freedom to do things. Right? And, and my job as a religion scholar is... Um, something that's called a worldview translator, right? So when you come in and you say, this is this horrible, hateful, uh, indecent thing, I'm like, well, you know, maybe it is, but here's what, what they have to say uh, about it. And sometimes um, when when there's that kind of translation process, uh, some kind of compromise or, or breakthrough can, can be reached or we can head off, uh, you know, bigger problems or even violence before it before it comes to that. Even if they're doing something that might be written down in like the Christian or Catholic religion and they're doing the opposite of it or they're acting it out just to show it, it's is it acting it out really as in that you actually believe or you want to do those type of stuff? Or are you doing it in a sense of mocking? And that's kind of where I have the problem of like a being a bully. Like I don't don't force your religion onto people type deal. But I mean, at the same time, it's also if you're just having a back and forth competition, you're basically supporting something because it just makes fun of and points out absurdities or things you don't believe in. I mean, that's just that's not doing anybody any good. That's just making people feel either uncomfortable or just, you know, kind of being I wouldn't say a bully, but yeah, bully. Yeah, I mean, again, this this came up in the case with with Harvard and a lot of people said this is sort of bullying the Christians. And and one talking point was, um, you know, if 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 Christians wanted to perform some ritual uh, mocking Jews or something like that, right, would, would you allow that? Would you allow the Ku Klux Klan to, uh, you know, to burn a cross and, and, and things like this. Um, the other side of it was, um, you, you know, when, when initially uh, Harvard was going to let them do a, a reenactment of a black mass as part of this cultural studies uh, uh, group, 2000 angry Catholics marched on Harvard, right, in, in protest of this. Uh, and some people point out, you know, Boston is the most Catholic city in America, right? There's more Catholics than anybody else uh, uh, lives in Boston. And so one talking about the came out of it was, well, sort of who who really is the bully here, right? Because there's way, way more Catholics than there are Satanists. And when the Satanists tried to do this thing, uh, they were basically silenced, right? They weren't allowed to do it at a university that claims, well, we're into uh, uh, freedom of speech and you know the answer to bad speech is, is good speech and and, and so forth uh, but in this case they were just sort of uh sort of silenced have like have they taken any violent action like has that movement ever gotten people arrested any riots have started up the Zantable has never done anything violent um however they've had a lot of violence directed at them uh, and most recently, uh, so they have a headquarters that's in Salem, Massachusetts, right? Because where I else would go to Massachusetts? Be, right? I got to meet these fucking people, man. I'm telling yeah. you. I mean, seriously, if you're ever in Salem, you can go and they have a little art museum and you can go see this bronze statue of the devil and whatever else you think about it. It's just very interesting visually uh, 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 to look at. Uh, but they have this headquarters there and uh, the first floor is a museum. That's an art gallery. And then the second floor uh, are, are living quarters because it's zoned residential. And so people live there. And this guy came in the middle of the night and doused gasoline all over the porch and set on fire. And fortunately, they were able to put it out. Nobody was 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 hurt. But that really could have been um, a lethal uh, a situation. Uh, in the documentary Hail Satan, there are scenes of a rally for religious freedom that they did in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan came out to that. Uh, a bunch of neo-Nazis came out to that who were carrying uh, concealed uh, handguns. And I was writing about this for Religion Dispatches. And Lucian Greaves called me before I drove out to Arkansas. And he said, uh, I bought a bulletproof vest. I'm going to wear a bulletproof vest during my, my speech because I've been getting so many death threats. And I said, do you want me to talk about this in the article I'm writing? And he said, no, don't talk about it in the article. They'll shoot me in the head. <laughs> and I said, well, why are you telling me this? And he just says, I don't know. I just thought you should you should know. Um, so so the uh, so far there has never been um, you know any deaths or violence, but I do know that a lot of people in the Satanic Temple 
uh, uh, worry about that uh, a lot. Uh, but from their side, they're they're pretty law abiding. And actually, I think one of the one of the sort of issues of contention that's caused some people to leave the Satanic Temple is this, the, the sort of leaders of the Satanic Temple really feel like we have to work within the law. And we can be annoying and we can be um, uh, you know, rude to people and so forth, but we can't break the law. Uh, and other people who were affiliated with the Satanic Temple have said, well, but what if somebody is just doing doing something so terrible? You know, should we deplatform them? Should we, you know, throw smoke bombs at a, a speech if a really conservative person is is giving it? And uh, the leadership of the Zetang Temple has said no. Right, we can never act outside uh, of the law. So that's where they kind of come down on on that question. I mean, when you hear about like when you first explained it, and it's kind of like oh god, like you're just kind of like what the hell is going on? And then as I mean, as you're starting to like start write more articles about them, do you I mean do you start to understand a little bit more about their perspective of things? Because I mean, besides the whole like trying to do it just to throw a jab at the other religion or other norms in society that I get it, everyone questions norms in society. I think there's a proper way to do it, not just but you've literally created something that is going to keep funneling in voices that are going to want to take you down in the most aggressive and hostile ways, which is not fair to them. But at the same time, it's like I, there's not really a fix to that. I mean, if you talk about someone's sports team, they're going to get mad at you. I mean, that's that's how divisivized it is. And at this point, I mean, bring KKK members with guns, whether they just show up there and they just want to show that they're whatever, whatever they want to do. That's I mean, it's not only damage to them as like hurting themselves on accident if one of these people get violent, but at the same time, everybody in the area that's watching, I mean, innocent people as well, too, that have nothing to do with this might just be going to work that day. And it's like you start to have like a conflict where it's like, look, I want people to support their beliefs. But at the same time, I mean, is it is it just a is it a joke? Do you actually believe in these things or do you actually want to do this? Like, is this a getaway? Like going to the Freemasons? Is That's all it is. It's like going to bowling night every Tuesday or something like that. But that's a real question, which is just like, how do you stop hate towards something that is in sense can be directed as mostly just a thing that's just mocking every single thing out there? And. I mean, people want to escape to something like that. I'm trying to like cover here because I'm like, I have no clue because it's like, I don't know. I conflicted as hell with this thing. I mean, no pun intended with the hell remark, but I mean, the beginning sounds like, what is this? Like, are you just doing it just to, because you can, you feel like, you know, oh, if they can have this and I want this too. But then you kind of start listening to it and you're like, well, they're not doing anything violent. I mean, besides people being violent at them, now I kind of feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's fair to. I mean, some people have said the Tang Temple started as a joke, uh, you know, and they've said it was never a joke. It was always a kind of political action. Uh, but the first thing that they did was they had this rally in Florida, uh, where Florida had basically passed a law allowing students to give prayers over the public address system in in high schools because the Supreme Court said you can't make kids pray in a public high school. So we're trying to find this loophole and, and saying, well, the students are going to pray themselves. We're not going to make them do it. Uh, and uh, they had this rally saying, you know, now sat satanic high schoolers are finally free to pray to Satan over the, the PA system and, and convert other high school students to Satanism. And it's all because of Rick Scott, the governor of Florida. Right. And they had this big rally where they're saying, you know, hail Satan and hail Rick Scott. And this was meant to basically embarrass the governor uh, for passing a law that, that they didn't like. And I talked to one of the supposed Satanists at that rally, and he said, yeah, I'm an actor. I was hired off of Craigslist, basically, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not really a Satanist, right? So that's how it began, right? It wasn't, wasn't very serious, right? Uh, but over time, it's gotten way more serious. And by the time you have sort of congregations all over America, and they're saying, you know, these other Satanists are my family, and this is my community, and you have people who are literally saying, I might get killed for doing this, but it's so important, I got to go do it anyway. It's harder to say it's just a joke. Most people are not willing to put on a bulletproof vest uh, 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 for a prank, right? Um, they're also, I really don't think that they are anti-Christian. I mean, I'm, I'm Christian, right? And they would ask me that when I'm doing my research. When I said I'm Christian, they weren't like, get him. Uh, but they were they were kind of surprised. They were like, well, why are you listening to what we have to say? <laughs> You know, and I said, because you're Americans, right? We're all we're all kind of living together, right? We have to kind of uh, understand each other a bit better. What they are against, though, is um, uh, Christianity getting special privileges from the government that other religions do not have, right? 
Uh, and and that has that was originally an, an ideal of the founding fathers, right? Uh, and the colonies, each colony had a official religion, and the the founding fathers said America is not going to do that. The the first line of the Bill of Rights, you know, says there will be no establishment of religion. Uh, so some of the Santa Temple actually feel that what they're doing is patriotic, right? That there are Christians who are not content to just be Christian, but actually want Christianity to take over the government, and they are resisting that. Uh, when they counter things like laws meant to bring Christian prayers into public schools uh, where everyone has to listen to them or building Christian monuments on government property. Uh, and the other front on this is um, the, the big culture war about abortion, right? They're, they're very pro-choice and they feel that abortion is being restricted because a religious group, Christianity, doesn't think anyone should have that, that right. So that's another big part of their, their campaign. That's a that's a big that's a big uh challenging question right there is the abortion topic for sure because that's one that I I I don't know I can't control what people do with their body autonomy I mean I think to a certain point uh maybe but you know some people are like nine months I'm like no 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 what are we talking about but like I said unpopular opinion probably I'm not going to spout my own but there's I mean obviously there's moral engagements and moral conversations about a bunch of this type of stuff and there's conflicting points but it mostly boils down to political parties I never really hear religion get brought into it unless they're describing why that political party might side that certain way but when it comes to the overall effect of society I mean if you asked any of these people like don't you find it strange that you have to wear a bulletproof vest to go and just speak I'm like, don't you consider that a problem? Like, and I think that's just the the issue with when it expands out. It's easy with me and you start a club and we're like 15 of us or something like that. And then next thing you know, that expands out to 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, thousands of people. And then at that point, you might have some, what they would call, I don't know, spark. I don't, what was it? I don't even know the word for it, but random fireworks that go off. It happens to be that personality of a person that happens to want to do a drastic action. And the next thing you know, that starts to set the precedent of doing drastic actions. And it's not like you're saying they shouldn't be able to speak or we shouldn't be able to have a club. It's just an aspect of like, how do you do it without damaging or hurting other people like every other organization or whatever that they're trying to copy or whatever is doing without damaging as much. I mean, Scientology still gets a pass on so many things that I feel like we should look into, but I think there's like a real discussion to talk about what's going to be the next five years, 10 years, where is that going to lead to? I mean, does that boil down the whole faith argument or does that boil down to society kind of challenging everything? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying challenging, like it's, I feel like you can challenge the Christian faith if you want to, if that's your belief to, but at the same time, like laws, can you just challenge those to me? That's what the commandments are. Yeah. I mean, I, so, you know, my field is called new religious movements, right. Which would include the satanic temple, but it would also include some of the other groups we've talked about Scientology, people's temple and, and so forth. Um, you know, most new religions don't last very long. Right. Uh, so in five or 10 years, I don't know if the Stang Temple will, will still be around uh, or, or what it will uh, uh, look like. Um, it does seem that um, Satanism is having a moment right now because the Stang Temple has inspired all these other groups who have either splintered away from it or started their own group. And it's it seems like it's much more normal now to just say uh, I'm a Satanist. Right. Whereas in like 1950s America, that would have been. Uh, a, a totally uh, unheard of. I also don't think Christianity is going anywhere. People have been predicting the death of Christianity uh, for a century now. Uh, and if you look at American politics, you can't run for president and say, you know, I don't, I don't really care about Christianity. It's not important to me. You can't run for president unless you say, uh, I'm a Christian, right? Even, even, even if you're not. Um, so it's hard to make predictions about the future, but I think we're sort of beginning to see more and more of the nuns and I think amongst those nuns, sort of interest in uh, ideas from Satanism are going to continue to be more popular. The idea of – I mean even the president being Christian, that is a thing that we have that we still have not gotten like – and I was saying why well, I am kind of saying like it's weird that we haven't gotten past that. Like that's, that's one checkbox mark that needs to be checked 100 percent of the time, which I don't think Christianity is ever going to fully go away. I mean when you said 72 percent, I think you said about – Yeah, something like that, yeah. I read something that was like 45 percent don't choose to worship at home or not have a religion. 
so, I mean, we're obviously looking at different graphs, but I mean, do you really think it's 72%? I feel like a lot of people, everyone I meet in this seems like my generation happens to be non-religious and even some older generations, or they just don't talk about it. I feel like everybody gets religious towards the end. I mean, when you're on your deathbed or something like that, you happen to get religious, like in the last moment and you can apologize for everything. And then hopefully there's a choice, but everyone has that faith when they're severely hurt. Or when they're severely sick, there's always this belief in something because I don't think anybody ever wants to believe like they're without anything, like that this life just ends and then goes over. I've tried, and honestly, I just I'm hoping like and if there is an afterlife, begging on that small chance that if there is one, you know, I get to go to the great place. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so statistically, we know a lot of people will on a survey box will will check Christian, but are not actually, you know, going to to church or, or really doing Christian things or reading the the, the Bible and, and and so forth. The percentage of people who are regularly attending church services is is much smaller, right? And and we have uh, a data on that. Um, the question, you know, it's a common claim that there's no atheists in, in foxholes. Um, I know some atheists who would say, "What are you talking about?" Of course not. <laughs> of course, uh, uh, you can be dying and, and still be an atheist. But that's an interesting area of all of this. And one of the things that the Tang Temple has actually explored is things like hospice work. Right? If you are a Satanist and you are dying of cancer, um, and you you sort of don't believe in the supernatural, what kinds of things can you do? What kinds of rituals can you do? What can members of your community do for you? to make those last few weeks or days seem uh, uh, meaningful and fulfilling and valuable, as opposed to just what I think a lot of people would assume about atheism, which is just sort of nihilist, I'm dead and I'm going to, I'm going to rot in, in the ground. Uh, so there's at least work trying to sort of imagine what those kinds of, you know, final questions would look like from a satanic perspective. Have you talked or focused into at all, or any even looked into just the voluntary human extinction movement? that movement that was coming out of Oregon? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of some groups like this. There I had their a... leader on. Um, oh, you did? Les Unite is his name. That's obviously a pseudonym. Uh, but I had him on the show, and he explained it, and it was about stopping like global warming if everyone just stopped having kids. A lot nicer than I thought because like, there's the Church of Euthanasia, or there's not the Church of Euthanasia. There's a church that just wants you to kill yourself and just end it. And then I don't. That's that's really toxic, and that's – I mean, that's like another issue with like cults and what stops a cult or a religion, like the separation there is like you got a guy who can pop on television saying that he's a reverend and start saying all this type of stuff. And then he starts his own little cult thing in Honduras, Mexico, wherever, wherever he went. And then 700 people, something die. So it's like you really got to like be careful because some people, they can sell you like a popsicle made of ketchup where you're wearing white gloves like they're that smooth as a, like a car salesman, and that's like really, really dangerous because I feel like at, at this point, I mean, whether people believe in something or not, but people are looking to attach themselves to something, whether that is a community or whether that is just something to believe in that they feel like uh, makes them feel comfortable, whether it's fitting in somewhere or whether it's just wanting something a hobby it could be like that i mean most people pick up a sport but some people you know get involved into a religion and start doing a lot of community stuff aspect yeah i mean there's a lot there right the church of euthanasia i think was a bit different they were act you know quite deliberately setting out to offend people right i think their their slogan was something like uh you know suicide sodomy abortion cannibalism right those were their four uh kind of pillars and i pillars think they, they had a protest <laughs> they had a protest where they're saying all we are saying is baby pate right which you can't really take that seriously that's just supposed to upset uh any sort of normal uh a, a person um you know in 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 my line of work we don't really make a hard distinction between a religion and a cult a cult is basically a religion that other people don't like uh so here in texas a lot of people would say well wicca is a cult I was like, well, the Wiccans aren't really doing anything bad, you know. They've got their candles and their, you know, their their gods and goddesses and so forth. They're not really hurting anybody. When you say it's a cult, you just mean you're a Christian and you don't like it. Uh, so the word itself can be kind of helpful or unhelpful. Um, in case of uh, the massacre of the Branch Davidians here in, in in Waco, Texas, I think because everybody kept saying cult over and over again, the government forces kind of forgot that cultist is actually a pregnant woman and you're tear gassing her. And you're using a tank to to break into her, her her house, but this is not to say that religious groups cannot be incredibly destructive, right? They clearly can. Clearly, great evil has gone on 
in the name of both small religions and, and, and large religions. Uh, but I think we need to get better about kind of identifying the specific factors that cause those religions to become uh, toxic so that we can prevent things like um, like what happened in, in Jonestown in 1978. Just don't give a guy a platform who claims he's the son of whatever. Um, and then you also talk about a bebop comment. You kind of have to tune out a little bit and kind of start walking walking backwards. But have you talked to a sociologist or any psychology professors that kind of examine religion a little bit as well too? I had a few on in the past that talked about cults and it, it, that distinction between cult and religion was very, very hard for me to understand because the way that they explained it, they start lumping in like obviously anything that really wasn't Christianity or then it was anything that wasn't atheism. Like a lot of academic researchers, I'm sure you know, some of them either don't have a religion or there's atheists. Mostly it's like in the space stuff as they kind of just fall out of the religion aspect of things or it makes it harder to define because I'm like, isn't anything can be turned into a cult? Like I know you said there's a hard line on that word, but I mean, defining the terms of it, if you could for me. Yeah. So again, you know, I, I don't use the word cult, except if I want students to sign up for my class. If I say we're going to be hearing about cults, then they'll then they'll sign up. But it's it's really not. There is no distinction between a religion and a cult. Right. A cult is a religion that people don't like. Right. Now, we can say things like, does this religious group have a charismatic leader, a leader that everyone just does whatever they say without questioning? Right. That we can talk about. We can we can single that out as a factor. Does this group have uh, prophecies about the imminent end of the world and who's going to die in it? That's a factor that we can we can single out. So we can we can isolate certain factors that are associated with, with kind of violence or toxic uh, outcomes, but just slapping the label cult on something isn't very helpful. Uh, and you mentioned sociologists and psychologists, so those are kind of the two big fields that are brought into uh, uh, analyze these types of things. Um, sociologists tend to be a little bit more um, tolerant of the so-called cults and kind of take a big picture view. Uh, psychologists historically have tend to focus more on things like uh, people are getting sucked into this stuff and they're getting brainwashed or they're getting uh, uh, manipulated. Uh, and so their, their viewpoint is often much more um, kind of anti-cult, uh, whereas uh, sociologists tend to be more likely to say, um, this is a misunderstood group or this group deserves the benefit of the doubt and, and so forth. Yeah. They, they, so far with psychologists, they've been pretty critical um, when I've talked to them, but uh, so I think so with sociology, you're just coming at it a different angle when it comes to predicting social patterns or maybe some things that, I mean, it's happened in the past. There's always movements that flare up and then, you know, end up going out. Um, I mean, same thing with the satanic temple. Will they be around in 10 years? Maybe not, probably not. There'll probably be a whole other thing that goes into that. Um, it just, I mean, when you wrote your book, I mean, did you get good reception talking about this? I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably were very curious to see if like if you were writing good about the satanic temple or anything like that. And I know your title goes a little bit longer than just speak of the devil, but I'm just curious if you had good reception. Did you have negative feedback? Did any Satanist buy your book and then compliment you on it as well, too? I mean, the, the satanic temple, um, you know, they, they read the book and they seemed to more or less like it, even though I included some details that they probably, you know, would prefer not be, be, be out there, right? It wasn't a, you know, they didn't get to dictate what I what I said about them, but they felt more or less like they, you know, I, I was fair to them. Um, you know, the, the people that I really want to read the book were mostly other religion professors, right? And, uh, and people sort of trying to understand what this group is all about. Other religion professors seem to, to like it. It's been assigned um in some some courses and things like that um enemies of the satanic temple and this happens a lot in my field of people who study these marginalized groups said well you didn't say that the satanic temple is this really horrible fraudulent group and therefore you must be a satanist right <laughs> only a satanist would try to approach this in a fair and, and neutral manner which is ridiculous i'm i'm, I'm not a satanist uh, i actually you know I understand why they do these blasphemous rituals. For me, I, I, I don't really have the, the the fortitude for 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 that kind of uh, a, a blasphemy, right? I'm, I'm I'm like you. I say, well, it's the Bible's important to somebody, right? Don't set it on fire, right? Uh, but but so I'm uh, so just because I'm I'm coming off this uh, uh, in a neutral way and trying to interpret their worldview, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily endorsing it. When it comes to the conversation of religion. 
do you find that it gets difficult? Like, obviously I'm stumbling through a little bit here, just on, on a factor of like, it, to me, it's just an uncomfortable topic to talk about. Uh, there's always a couple of things you're supposed to never talk about at a dinner table is like politics. And that's in today's society has just gone out the window. It seems like everybody can't go five minutes without talking about politics. Uh, but religion was another one. And then obviously like profanity and things of that sort. But religion has been like a topic. Like I just never, ever bring it up because it either throws me down a spiral where it's like a bunch of people trying to one person's really religious. They'll start giving you a whole story, trying to save your life in a sense. That might be an extreme person, but it's just people I've met. And then there's a whole other thing of like, you know, just don't, don't want to talk about it because there is a difference in opinions. And that obviously might test the relationship as well, too. But I always stand by like the boat of like if that conversation leads the relationship to end. It's probably not a good relationship then. You know what I mean? Not like a romantic relationship, just a friendship in general if you can't talk about. But those are just uncomfortable topics for me. Religion's one. Um, yeah, that's probably the major one that just I've avoided talking about. I mean, you teach religious studies. How many kids are wanting to talk about these religious subjects that aren't religious? You know, it, it becomes like a conversation of like how do we – expand it out to be able to talk about different person's viewpoints, different person's thoughts, even if someone's Mormon and someone's, you know, Christian doesn't mean they don't have to be bitter rivals, but they can at least talk about the subject. Yeah, I mean, you're right, right? You're not supposed to talk about money, politics or religion. And in my classes, when I try to have discussions, sometimes this is a big problem, right? Students don't want to talk about this stuff because they've been raised by their parents. You're, you're not supposed to, right? Um, and I also, I'm in a big public university. I will usually have a few students who are, um, you know, died in the wool evangelical Christians. And I'll usually have at least one student who's a, a pretty militant atheist. And I'll usually have a couple of, you know, Jews and Muslims and Buddhists and other types of people uh, as, as well. I think you can have these kinds of conversations, um, but particularly at a, a place like the public university where I teach, uh, we have to avoid questions like debating the existence of God, right? That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, uh, understanding the way that these religions uh, shape people's views of the world, the way they shape our culture, the way they shape our, our laws and politics and so forth. And, and you actually can have those conversations without it becoming really uh, uh, contentious or, or, or nasty. And I think they're important to have, right? I mean, you don't want to upset your neighbor, but at the end of the day, if you don't really know anything about, you know, how your Muslim neighbor sees the world or, or what, why a Mormon uh, cares about the things that they care about, that's not really helping. So I think in the long run, we have to get over that discomfort and, and try to understand the ways in which we're different from each other, because differences uh, uh, matter. We have to understand differences to make progress. What about cultural or community shaming when someone tries to learn into another religion? I've gotten some flack, I would say, or just like some bad heat just because I had a couple of people on to talk about Islam, because I had to understand how we labeled it terroristic so much. Like that was a big thing after 9-11 was just like this. It's like searching for communism back in the 60s and 70s. You just label it a terrorist. You don't ask any questions. You stay away from it. And it was like I changed my perspective on Islam a little bit, but people didn't like that. Like I was converting or I was a traitor. And it was like, what does that even mean? Like, so first of all, it's a free podcast. Second of all, it's just like, I mean, we ask questions is what we do as people, but do you notice any community backlash of certain individuals are being isolated from certain beliefs because someone might have different opinions when it comes to maybe worshiping something else or having these types of conversations about exploring another religion? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think an assumption my students uh, sometimes come to the class is, with is, um, well, all religions are good. And we can't ever be critical of religions. We have to just like everything, right? And that's ridiculous. You don't have to like everything. But I think if you don't like something, we need to talk about why you don't like it. And we can talk about whether or not that's that's valid. So with the case of Islam, groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS are terrible groups, right? Uh, they're, they're terrible, violent uh, groups. And they also are um, one manifestation of Islam, right? If you ask Al-Qaeda or ISIS, why do you do these things? Uh, they will cite passages from the, the Quran. They will cite the, the Sunnah and so forth. Um, so we can't really understand why terrorist groups like this do the things they do unless we understand that they see what they're doing as Muslim. Now, the good news is um, the overwhelming majority of Muslims around the world have no interest in violence or terrorism and think that violence and terrorism goes against their tradition. 
So the problem isn't really Islam, um, but it, it doesn't really help to say things like um, Al-Qaeda are violent, therefore they can't be Muslims. I think it's okay to say that certain forms of Islam uh, are, are, are toxic and, and, and violent. I don't think that's an Islamophobic thing to, to say. Uh, but we need to have perspective. Islam is the second largest religion in the world. I think there's about six Muslims in the world for every man, woman, and child in America. Uh, so if they really, if the sort of driving goal of Islam was just to attack the West or attack America, we would be in big trouble, right? It's actually quite the opposite. Our greatest resource in dealing with uh, uh, groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS is other Muslims, right, <laughs> who will come and say things like, um, this person has been talking a lot about, uh, you know, violent rhetoric and things like that, uh, and we'll, we'll report that to, to authorities and, and help counterterrorism in, in their work. So we're really losing a lot of resources if we try to sort of brand all uh, uh, Muslims by the actions of, of a radical uh, a few. So I, I try to teach my unit on Islam in a way where students who are concerned about things like Islamic terrorism don't feel like they're being gaslit. Um, but also where students don't come away thinking that Islam is this big uh, a threat to America, because I just don't think that it is. I don't think there's any evidence for that. Yeah, it's uh, like it's just violent extremists. And if you label them, I mean, everything has that, though, like you can go to any club or anything. There's always one person there that happens to be that firework that ends up being like way too. And none of the group agrees with them. But it's just that labeling. And it's like really sucks that it happens like that. But I want to take it back to the Satanic Temple. Did you notice a certain personality or age range that they all kind of fell under that fit a certain group? Because I start to wonder, like, is that going to phase out when they're 30? Is that going to phase out when they're 40? You know, are they going to get a I mean, unless they join a heavy metal band, which seems to be like Dio has to be their worshipped god. Uh, but, I mean, that's a big part of metal, but that's a whole different discussion. But a certain age range, I mean, obviously you come across kids like my age, a little bit younger than me, um, maybe a little bit older, but how long does that last? I mean, eventually people take the piercings out and they do something or they stick with them and they double down on tattoos as well, too. Yeah. So I've met members of the Tank Temple who are college students and I've met members who are actually uh, pretty, pretty old, older people like in their, their 60s. Um, but, but I think that the, the bulk of it, the majority of it are Gen Xers, right? And these are specifically kids who grew up, uh, well, they're not kids anymore, but when they were kids, uh, they grew up and they were doing things like playing Dungeons and Dragons and being told that's satanic, right? Or they were watching, you know, Geraldo and Geraldo was saying, you know, your daycare provider is, is a Satanist and is torturing your kids. Did he so really say that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and he, Geraldo did recant. He said in the 90s, you know, uh, I shouldn't have done this. Innocent people went to jail and it's my fault. Uh, but by then, the damage had, had been done, you know. But That guy uh, but... has taken so many damn transformations throughout his – first, he plays his Zapruder film in front of everybody, you know, live on – then next thing you know, he's on CNN. And I, I only know him from that. I don't know him from the past Geraldo Rivera where he changed everything. So I just see that guy. I'm like, that guy did all – oh, God. Yeah, but, but you know, so he did a his special, and I think it was 1988, called Exploring Satan's Underground. And uh, you can go watch it on, on YouTube. And I actually, I was on Geraldo once and I met um, one of the, the producer who did Satan's Underground. And he just said, uh, our ratings on that were so good. We got such great ratings. And I'm like, yeah, but you terrified millions of people and made them think their kids were being tortured while they were at work. You know? Did he smell like sulfur? <laughs> I think, you know, my, my impression of being in the Fox News building uh, was that for all of these people, this was just business. You know, this was just if they weren't sort of making Fox News and, and giving this kind of ideological perspective on, on uh, the world to people, you know, they'd be making pizza or something instead. Right. But they had found a product that people wanted and they were going to give the people what they wanted. And through writing your book and obviously the reception you got on it, I mean, do have you ever thought about looking back into them, like doing like a documentary type series and just kind of, you know, interviewing them and getting their personal account? I'm pretty sure a lot of them would probably be willing to talk about some of their stuff as well, too. The, the Satanic Temple, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, this group is so young. It's changing so fast. I mean, it's just barely 10 years old. Uh, in some ways, my book is already out of date, right? Because they've already done things like when I was writing the book, they called their, their local groups chapters. Now they call them congregations. They have a ministry program now. They have um, a, a diversity panel, right? Because there are Satanists who are 
LGBT or black or, or, or some kind of minority and they want kind of more uh, a representation. So they're changing a lot. So the book is either going to have to be updated or somebody else is going to just have to come along and do uh, a, a new book on this group and hopefully cite me <laughs> a lot uh, in their group. But yeah, this is changing very rapidly. Also with the generational thing, uh, a lot of them have kids now. And so there's discussions about uh, should we raise our children to be Satanists or should we just raise them to think for themselves and maybe they'll choose Satanism or maybe not uh, as, as they get older. So all this stuff is still uh, unfolding. And as someone who studies new religious movements, it's actually kind of exciting uh, for me just to see what direction this all goes in. Is it not hypocritical if you start a religion or you, you, know, you join the Satanic Temple because you want to be a free thinker and then you have a kid and then you choose to put the Satanic Temple into their head rather than letting them be a free thinker? Yeah, I think that is hypocritical. And I think some of them are having very serious conversations about that. On the other hand, it's not like any of them want their kid to grow up and be like, well, actually, I'm going to be an evangelical Baptist or something, or I'm going to be, I'm going to join the Westboro Baptist Church. So I think they really wrestle with that, right? How do you, how do you sort of encourage free thinking, but also with the awareness that people who are given free will can make really, really bad choices, right? What do you, what do you do with that? Well, there's always like when you, they always say when you have kids, you'll understand. And it's like I've noticed that like a lot of my friends who are like very, very revved up activists or towards like almost annoyingly so like it's OK to talk about these things. But don't like I mean, they did, went did crazy things. But now like they have kids and then they don't want they're completely different. It's like that whole gas pedal came off the floor and was like, no, we're just going to take it slow. And obviously everything I asked them about, they're like not a hundred percent like they were before about certain things and certain stances that they had. I'm like, what changed? He's like, we had kids. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, is that, is that going to be a thing? If we talk about, you know, when they satanic temple people have kids, I mean, are they going to, like I said, the free thinking thing, but is it more going to be on the lines of like, are they going to cut the act themselves if they believe in the satanic temple i mean i don't know i feel like it's having a family and the family values thing whenever i think about that it just leads right into religion when it comes into christianity i don't really think of any other religions in such a more i guess pushed family value type aspect at least the way i understand it yeah i mean one of the founders of the satanic temple has a family has has, has children uh still um you know very active and imagine in, being in that guy's group. kid oh my god <laughs> Well, also, you know, when uh, when people are saying like, oh, we ought to we ought to, you know, this is a bad group and we ought to, you know, dox them and make their lives hell and so forth. And I was like, OK, but remember, this is this guy has a wife and kids. Right? Take your dad so, to work day. God, it has to be the best day ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing that Stan Temple has done is there's a group called uh, the Good News Club. And they have church basically in public schools after school, right? So school ends and then they come into a classroom and they, they do basically Sunday school with, with the kids. Uh, the Supreme Court has said uh, the schools have to let them do this, right? You have to let these religious groups come in and do stuff at school unless you're going to just say no groups at all can, can come. And so the Satanic Temple has actually tried to organize a satanic version of this uh, called After School Satan. And the after-school Satan program actually made an entire curriculum. They don't actually ever discuss Satan with the kids. They have things like, you know, lesson plans about bullying or, you know, science class and, 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 and things like that. But uh, when they got tax-exempt status from the IRS, one of the things the IRS asked for when they're looking for evidence that you're a church is they say, do you have religious instruction for children? And they actually said, yes, we do. We have this after-school Satan program. You think they're using that just to it's make it's not sure very popular? Not many parents have signed kids up for it, but yeah. but it does exist. Do you think they're using that just to get the tax exemption status, or do you think that they actually care about maybe their belief in trying to teach like respectable things, like no bullying and things of that sort? I mean, I think their number one thing was they said, um, you know, churches should not be in public high schools, right? And and these churches are here because they want the authority of the school, because kids go to school to, to learn about how the world really works. So that's the environment in which they want to be telling kids, you'll go to hell if you're not Christian, right? Um, and the Supreme Court has said, well, the, you know, the school has to be open to everybody, including the Christians. And so what they want to do is say, but do you really believe that? Because what if Satanists were allowed to do this, right? Don't you think it should just be no religion should be 
uh, allowed here. But if you're going to let the Christians do it, you have to let us Satanists do it too. So that's their that's their main goal. Um, when they got the tax exempt status from the IRS, I asked Lucian Greaves, "Are you going to be making a lot more money now?" Uh, and he said, "I honestly don't know." But the Satanic Temple they sell you know they sell mugs and T-shirts and things like that. Uh, so yeah, if they're not paying taxes on that, they'll make a little bit more money, but probably we're not talking about uh, thousands and thousands of dollars here. I think the big gain for them in getting recognized by the IRS is that when they go to court and say someone has violated our religious freedom, they can at least say, and the IRS says we we truly are a religion. Um, so they, they have that in their pocket when people try to tell them, you guys are just trolls or you guys are just political, you're, you're not a real religion. I feel like they have to be making thousands of dollars because Hot Topic is a great store. Um, and that's like big with my generation and so many other gen. That's the same stuff. It's all satanic merch. I walked in there and my grandma was like, I taken back. She was like, good God. I was like, yeah, this is nuts. Like I got a skull fedora. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> but yeah, uh, my understanding is Hot Topic nowadays is a lot more like anime and, and rainbows. It's and things like, like a that. sex shop, dude. That's oh, really? what's really I don't like. like. I don't care. Obviously, everybody does it. Everybody watches porn, whatever you want to say or you whatever. But that stuff, like that's just even me. Like, I, I mean, I, I used to date someone that used to work in there. And it was just like, I didn't want to go in there and see them. Just you come outside or something. It's like, why are you uncomfortable on this stuff? I'm like, no, nah, it's, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Everybody's going a little bit too crazy. Put the brakes on a little bit. But that's like clothing stores now. And it's like, what's your kid going to be exposed to? I mean, half the time a kid walks into a store and it's, and I guess openly talking about sex. I mean, that's a different discussion in its own, but I mean, that's goes into the whole conversation of what age is a proper age to do so. And it's just like, I don't know. Parenting's different. I'm not a parent. I'm not going to speak on that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a while before the satanic temple starts having shops and, you know, the mall next to the food court and stuff the way hot topic does. But if, if they ever do, then the tax exempt status is going to be a big deal uh, for right now. They're just selling everything out of their little house in Salem. So it all started with the damn Polaroid camera. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show, man. Seriously, like I said, I was kind of new to this area. I don't really talk about religious studies a whole lot because not that I don't grasp it. It's just it's always a weird, kind of uncomfortable conversation. But you help break it down for me also with your book as well, too. If you want to let people um, find your links, if you wanted to say where people can find you, either your website, any social media links, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, um, my name is Joseph Laycock, L-A-Y-C-O-C-K. It's a weird name. It got me into fights as a kid. But if you just type Joseph Laycock into Google, the first thing you find should be uh, my website. And there's links there to all of my books. I'm going to link those all in the description. Don't feel bad about your name. My name is Robbie Robertson. So it's like we're in the same boat on that one. But uh, I'm going to link all your links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And thanks for listening to this episode about the Blank Podcast.